The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? You've got a dog that needs walking. That's right, sunshine. Just put on a big pot of strong coffee and get ready to type your little hate mail with your opinions about Kumbaya and Flat Earth Insanity. Stand-up comedy? You want stand-up comedy? Well, we got, well, we've got sit-down comedy. It's time for Coffee with a Dog. You make me laugh. You give me gas, is what it is, really. You give me gas, and then I fight and I laugh. Well, not really. I lied. I lied about it. I'm a liar. Like Henry Rollins. Liar. Oh. In the dang tang. Oh, good morning, people of Earth, uh, which shall not be with us uh, that much longer. Uh, we are in the final days, the end days, as they say. And I really don't care. Do you? Yes, you probably do. Uh, just start off. Uh, today is Monday, October 9th, 2023. Happy Earth, 83rd birthday to John Lennon. 75th birthday to Jackson Brown and whoever else's birthday out there. Happy birthday. I'm not going to say happy birthday to everybody. I started out with a dead guy. I'm happy that it's a new week. If you're here, uh, I'm guessing you're not here to hear more about the Middle East. And that's a good thing because I don't want to talk about the Middle East. Now, I think the Rev... When he gets here, he might want to talk about the Middle East. But I don't want to hear about the Middle East. I'm done. I'm done with hearing people's opinions. All I will say about it is religion is the dumbest thing man ever invented. And I'm just going to leave it at that. And you are entitled to whoever you want to stand with, stand on, stand under, stand next to. uh, Whatever side of any kind of craziness you want to take, who you want to say is responsible, who you want to blame. Go right ahead. Knock yourself out. It's religion. It all comes down to religion. Uh, and the belief that God is on our side. Well, God's not on, on your side. Believe me. He's on the other guy's side. If you're a Met fan, you know this to be true. If you're a Jet fan, though, last night, God was on your side. How about that? And you won if you bet. Bet. You won money. So God is on your side for today until you spend that money on something terrible and bad things happen to you and your life is doomed. We're all doomed. 
I am very morbid uh, quite often on this uh, nonsense that I do every morning. And it's not just me. I'm not the only one dying. You're all dying. You're dying too. So let's make the best of it. Let's help each other laugh and get through this craziness and forget about the arguments and petty bullshit that you will see on social media. And, you know, coming back to where I started, religion is even dumber than social media. Nothing has divided. You think social media has divided us. Man, this idea that God is on my side against you, God wants me to win. Wants my football team to win. He wants my country to win. He wants my school to win. He wants my podcast to win. I don't have a podcast. I'm tired of calling this a podcast. It's a, a live stream internet radio show. Could be a terrestrial radio show sometime in the future. Now, I am glad. I'm usually not glad Monday comes around. I usually hate Mondays. I don't like Mondays. I'm like a... Uh, who did that? Bob Geldof, um, Boomtown Rats. I don't like Mondays. There was a girl who killed her entire family. And uh, when she was being arraigned and asked why she did it, she said she didn't like Mondays. That's going a little far. I generally don't like Mondays. But this Monday, I am very uh, welcome Monday. Because starting with Friday morning, uh Man, it was the most insane weekend, most uh, bullshit-filled weekend of my life. And that's saying a lot, because I've had some bullshit-filled weekends in my life. As you know, if you were watching the program, uh, it started out okay Uh, on Friday. Tommy Chong was the guest, and then my internet guy decided to work on my connectivity on the pole out in front of my house about 15 minutes into the conversation with Tommy and cut me off. Thankfully, Carl was here to save the day, pick up the ball, as they say, and continue the show. And then I got back on and turned out, um, here's the thing, back in May, May 15th, we got a full uh, tank of oil, heating oil, home heating oil. And we don't use the heat from May through September. So that should last. All it's done, all it's used for is to heat hot water for two people in the house. It's not like we're taking 15 showers a day. There's two people here. That's two showers a day running a, a dishwasher, dishwasher in hot water once every couple of days. A full tank we're talking 250 gallons of heating oil, should easily last well into October, almost to November from May 15th. It should. Uh, But it didn't. And the gauge was broken on my oil tank, so it didn't go down. It still looked almost full. It stopped going down like three-quarters of the way. I'm thinking we got three-quarters of a tank. No, no, no. Ran out of oil while I'm yelling at the cable guy. Turns out my wife discovered that we were out of oil and the oil burner shut off. She ordered and uh, she called up the oil company and asked for an emergency delivery. And then uh, they had to come. They needed cash. So I was uh, back on and then pounding on the door and a guy is here delivering oil. But I don't know anything about it. I don't have the cash. My wife went to the bank to get cash for the guy. Uh, it was just uh, so another distraction in the middle of the show. But here's a here's the odd thing about this: the reason, <laughs> the 
the reason we went through 250 gallons of oil between May 15th and October 1st, or October 6th, as it was, was that I had the air conditioning blasting so hard in the summer that the heat was going on, and I didn't know it. We were burning. We were having heat and air conditioning competing with each other. (laughs) My fuck up there. Hello. I feel stupid. Yes, I feel stupid. Of course I feel stupid. But, uh, okay. So that's Friday morning so far. I've gotten uh, the cable uh, guy knocking my show off the air. Then a guy pounding on my door expecting cash from me for another disturbance in the show. Okay. Get through the show. Soon as I... uh, we get off the air with the show. I get a phone call, supposedly from Bank of America. On my cell phone, they're looking for my wife. Uh, no, this, she's not here. This is her husband. How can I help you? Like, why are you calling for her? Bank of America says, uh, we saw some suspicious activity. It looks like somebody opened a checking account in her name in Bank of America in the last two days. Do you know if she's done that? Oh, I better check. No, she has not. Okay, uh, well, uh, there's been some fraudulent activity. We're glad we red flagged it. We want to let you know about it. Now I'm thinking it started out, they're calling for her on my phone. Somebody used my phone number, according to them, and her name to set up a checking account and was writing checks against it. And I said, well, how are they writing checks against it? Did they put money in the account? And they're writing, oh, they deposited stolen checks. Stolen checks. Not, not making much sense at all. Starting to feel a little scammy already. Uh, and they're starting to ask for uh, information that I'm not giving them. It's getting a little terse with me. And long and short of the story, they're trying to tell me that Zelle, the money transfer uh, people, were going to be taking money out of my account. Like, how do they even know what bank I'm in? Uh to make up for the stolen funds and it wouldn't be uh, refunded and all the stuff. And I'm smelling a scam a mile away and I'm starting to say this and now they're getting angry with me. And so I said, you know what? Uh, Hold on a second. And I called the FBI (laughs) and I said, I have a scammer on the phone. Hold on. And I conferenced them in and they were listening and uh, basically walked through this whole thing. And of course it was a scam hour and a half on the phone with these people. And then I, uh, it's, it's, hung up i finally hung up because this woman was yelling at me how dare you be suspicious of us how dare i be suspicious of you You call me asking for my wife on my number anyway uh so i hung up on them and i'm the fbi said there's nothing they could do about it. now they when they called me they had a number and they said google this number and i the phone number in there, and it did come up as bank of america so they're spoofing bank of Amer- bank of america's phone number somehow and the FBI has said they're powerless to do anything about this. They could not trace the phone call or where it came from. Probably came from overseas. I call my bank. They're not going to do anything about it. I call Bank of America. They're not going to do anything about it. We know there's a scammer out there. Listen, somebody less tech savvy or less awake might have done something really stupid and given people access to their uh, account. Now, I said, I didn't even have Zelle. I never used Zelle. Oh, Zelle is definitely hooked up to your bank and put in these numbers. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. And my bank account, my bank confirmed that I don't have Zelle hooked up. It was never activated on, on my account. Don't worry about it. 
but so somebody less, I don't know, savvy would definitely fall for that scam. And there's probably got a lot of people. And the FBI, not going to do anything about it. My bank is not going to do anything about it. Bank of America is not going to do anything about it. So there are people out there uh, who are victims wait in waiting uh, for this kind of scam. And so I'm in a bad mood now. Now I've wasted quite a bit of time, and I have to get to an early gig. So I'm go to take a shower, and the hot water's not on because we have not uh, primed and, and bled the oil burner, so we have no hot water. So I have to take a freezing cold shower really quick and get to my gig and load up equipment, get to the gig, play the gig, and uh, it's at a uh, nursing facility. I'm done with the gig. I take my equipment and put it outside in the front door. I have to walk around to the back parking lot to get my car. I get in my car and I leave without going back to get my equipment. And I'm driving home happily. Now, I know I have another gig coming up. So I'm just going home to quick bleed the oil burner, get my hot water back, and maybe change the strings on my guitar and get to my evening gig. I get home. I open my car and I realize, oh, my equipment's not in there. I left it at the nursing home, which is an hour and 15 minute drive. So I got to now forego all the plans I had and just drive back to the nursing home and get my equipment back so I can make it to my other gig on time. I did that and uh, my equipment was there, still there, thankfully. Uh, (laughs) Feeling like a total idiot. and I get to the new gig, uh, the second gig of the night. It's an Italian restaurant gig. And I noticed, uh, it's probably a tech, too technical here, but one of the pegs that you that holds a string in, on acoustic guitar, holds a strings into the body on the bridge, was popping out and uh, not it was stripped. So I'm having to play the entire gig with my elbow kind of banging that thing in in between strump <laughs> the peg back in for four hours it was a fucking nightmare fucking nightmare gig to get through and even the guys i was playing with didn't notice uh, and we got through it so i get uh, i get done with that gig and i get home and now i'm gonna just i'm fucking shot i'm shot i'm gonna get in the hot tub in the backyard and it's cold out now and uh, but I just need I just need to just re- relax. I'm gonna have a beer and sit in the in the hot tub and just drown. And uh, I'm out in the backyard and I start to take my clothes off and a big buck comes up, boom, bangs into me and he wa- he wants to fight and a deer and it's midnight and he's looking for a fight with me and I I'm not in the mood. I have I've had a day where I. I Listen, even if I were in the mood, I'm not fighting a big buck. And you generally don't see the big bucks. We see, we have lots of deer, but generally not, the bucks don't come out. Except this guy came out at night and wanted to fight me. And so I picked up a stick and I said, <laughs> I'm trying to, and he comes over and he knocks me back into the hot tub. I hit my head on the back of the back wall of the hot tub. And I'm like halfway unconscious underwater. And thank God I woke up. <laughs> I came to and didn't drown. That was my day Friday. I have a 
Saturday morning, I have a corporate gig that I need to get to playing for a major corporation. Now, this is playing guitar, playing all original music, and telling a few jokes in between. And there were about 350 people in the audience. They had just sat through a keynote speech that they didn't want to sit through on a Saturday morning on their weekend. They're not in a good mood. And they're listening to me try to make them laugh and try to make them happy and sing happy songs. And they're not buying any of it. They are just not, not even, not even that, not even a smile at any of the jokes. It was the most, I don't know, deer in the headlights uh, performance that I've ever done. And I, I, you know, it was just so cold and so, uh, I don't know. I don't know if embarrassing is the right word. I mean, I, like, what's wrong with those people? Can't they even try to show some support? for? I didn't want to be there. Either. All of the money, money was good. But I didn't want to be there as much as they didn't want to be there on a Saturday morning. And then I spent the uh, rest of the day just trying to kind of uh, sort shit out in, in the studio and figure stuff out. And, and then uh, Sunday morning, I uh, got up and we had a little um, dress rehearsal for uh, Church of the Last Resort, which will premiere on October 15th, which is this Sunday. Uh, and uh, then I watched the Road Dog movie starring Doug Stanhope, which I had been looking forward to for almost a year, uh, which I'll talk about later on. But um, and uh, so I watched that and uh I said, you know what, I'm going to chill out for a little while, Uh, take a nap. And I'm taking a nap, and the phone rings. Matt? Yeah. Are you not in your car? No. (laughs) You're supposed to be here. I had another gig Sunday. I forgot about. I forgot about a gig. This is the fifth time this has happened in a year. I've never happened to me in 45 years of playing professionally. And... The odd thing is, I looked at my calendar yesterday. I was reading off a couple of times yesterday because I was setting the schedule for the week. And I looked at my calendar and didn't notice the big momentum on uh, Sunday. Like in big, bold letters, I had a gig yesterday. And I didn't see it on my calendar for some reason. just spaced it out and didn't go to the gig. Oh, my God. Can you keep them there? I will run there right now. run there right now get there as fast as i can and put on a show no i'm fired that's it i said you know i'll do a freebie just to make it up to them and apologize to them no we we don't want you around you unreliable fucking old piece of shit you well they didn't say that but that's what i felt and it was devastating to me because i'm feeling really bad not that you know i keep coming back to the tommy chung the by the way uh willie and i uh did get a chance to finish that conversation with Tommy later in the day. And we will be editing that together and putting it together for replay at some point. But I kept coming back to the message that he was giving us is that everything happens for a reason. I don't know how much I believe that, but it, it certainly helps you get through something like this. So it was bottom line. It was a shitty, shitty weekend for me. And I'm glad Monday is here. Uh, Willie is uh, running a little late this morning. I don't know what he's doing, uh, and I don't really think I want to know. Uh, 
what what the situation is, why he's running late, but he will be a little bit late. But the Rev is here. Uh, now, let's say hello and good morning to Dr. Reverend Jelly Roll. Good morning, Rev. Uh, uh, good morning, Brother Matt, and uh, peace and blessings to you. And uh, sounds like you needed my help over the weekend. And I'm sorry, I was busy. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, yeah. It was it was uh, one for the books. Um, I, I don't know. It's like, I think I don't know what I do to attract that kind of energy. Uh, but because Willie was uh, uh, worried that, you know, things might go wrong in, in, in Friday morning. And I, I didn't understand why. What And I was like, no, nah, nothing's going to well, This is easy. We do this every day. It's not, nothing's going to go wrong. And then I shouldn't have said nothing's going to go wrong because everything all day long, things were going wrong. So uh, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, how was your weekend? Did you have a good weekend? Did you have a weekend? Uh, not much of a weekend. Uh, as a matter of fact, I didn't plan on being here this morning. GD was going to be here this morning, but he had a really rough night. And so he contacted me and asked if I'd fill in for him because uh, I, I said, sure, you know. But he, I would, he had that would be night. an interesting phone call to watch and be a fly on the wall for uh, when GD calls you. Uh, uh, we we need to get that on videotape. We need to we need to see both ends of that conversation. <laughs> uh, he he was up late last night because he had he had problems with deer as well. Uh, deer, deer, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just so happens that last night there were like uh, uh, a herd of deer walking across his yard, and they were stopping and pissing on everything. Okay, marking their territory. And he does not like that because, uh, well, this is, this was like his yard. So he had to go out and remark his territory. So he's out there having a pissing contest with a bunch of deer. So it's, it, was not, <laughs> it was not pretty. But he was dehydrated this morning because he had to keep, because I don't know if you've ever had, I don't know if you've ever seen how much liquid a deer can mark down, you know, to, to mark a territory. But when you got like a dozen of them doing it, and you're trying to remark your territory, it's dehydrating. So GD was like, he was, he was, wow. he, he was no shape this morning. So yes, he, he called me and I, I told him I was busy, but I would do it because I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm, you know, I'm going to promote the show anyway. But GD was just trying to defend himself because for some reason, when you mention these comedians that are funnier than this Steven guy, you never mentioned him. And so he was like, he wanted to defend his title. <laughs> he was pissed. And... <laughs> All right. Uh, that, well, I'm glad you brought that up because we do have a new segment. I wanted, I, I kind of wanted to wait for Willie, but Willie, he's not making an effort to get here on time. Fuck him. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, the, the new uh, segment that I want to uh, start doing is called Funnier Than Segura. And uh, just a brief recap, uh, last week I was going off on Tom Segura, who is punching down on people. He's a bully. He's full of himself. He's lost all perspective on uh, who he is and what he is, and he thinks he's like uh, God's gift to comedy and looks down on anybody who's less wealthy than him or less famous than him and is really has disdain for his fellow man. And I, I, I'm not happy with him. So I'm going to be doing for as long as I can keep up the interest in it for myself and don't forget to do it because as you know, 
I forget to do things every day on this show. Like, oh, yeah, we were supposed to run that segment. I forgot. I, you know, govs say goodbye to them. I forget. I run. So I'm not the most organized or uh, uh, focused guy in doing this. But for now, I'm going to run this segment every day. It's uh, focusing or just highlighting one comedian who is funnier and as hardworking as Tom Segura, but not quite as wealthy or as famous and all that kind of stuff. This segment is called, uh, what is it called? Funnier, funnier than Segura. Comedians who are funnier than Segura. Get out of town. Today we are featuring Uncle Walt who has been doing comedy for only 18 months. Uh, but he is hardworking. He's getting his way around. And uh, he is uh, funnier than Tom Segura. And not only that, he is a black man who eats ass. Who, and I've been told, and Rev, maybe you can uh, back this up, that eating ass is not a black thing. And Walt is the uh, standout black man who prefers ass on the menu. So. Okay, here's the deal. And I don't want to, I hate doing this, but this is for black people everywhere. Uncle Walt is a character. He's not a real person, <laughs> okay? And so Uncle Walt can eat as much ass as he wants, but the real guy has never touched it. Okay, I'm just uh, saying. So yeah, Uncle Walt is not a real person. I, I don't right. want to, I, I hate doing that. But he's a character. I well, yeah, I get it. But it, yeah. this feels a little like the kettle calling the kettle black, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, I, I don't know what the fuck you talking about. <laughs> no. uh, anyway, GD Fenderson is in the uh, chat room. He says, "Oh my god, I am way funny." We we agree. Uh, you are way funnier, GD. But uh, uh, we are just ta- we only have room for one a day. And Walt was, I felt. To be honest with you, I felt like uh, citing Walt first would be the ultimate diss to Tom Segura. And so uh, that's that's why I chose Walt for today. Also, uh, I, I knew it would piss GD off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're damn right. Because they, they used to work together. Oh. Matter of fact, I, I used to work with Uncle Walt as well. So the three of us had worked together. Wow. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, there's uh, like uh you're not talking six degrees of separation. We're talking like no degrees. No degrees, right. Yeah, we're just we're just separated by anxiety and, and hatred. That's, ah. <laughs> no, no, what is it though? Contempt. You know, con- yeah, that's a familiarity breach contempt. Yeah. All right. So oh. that we I need to end the segment and I'm gonna play the, the intro just like it, it's an outro. Comedians who are funnier than Segura. get out of town i like that that they're telling them to get out of town anyway uh don't go to see tom segura if don't don't give a guy who is wealthy your money so that he can you know you're gonna forego getting groceries or anything else that you want to do in life with your limited funds if you're one of these people who is not wealthy and you're paying two hundred dollars for Tom Segura to get wealthy so he can insult you. I think you're making a big mistake with your life. You can use that money to go see uh, G.D. Fenderson twice or three times. Uh, 
and enjoy the show even more because he will be even funnier than Tom Segura, and you'll enjoy the show more. So, as a matter of fact, if you pay him just the, the right amount, he'll come to your house and do a private party because he's not he's not stuck up. He, right? He's, yeah, he's not stuck up. But you don't have to always come to him. He'll go to you if you, you know, make it worth his while. <laughs> That's what we're promoting here: uh, comedians who are not stuck up, even or or forensic humorists that are not stuck up and all oh, that's true he does he does get pissed off when you call him a comedian too because he thinks he's like above that wow yeah, he's a he's a he's a real piece of work to work with to know him personally he's a real piece of work but uh but wow actually, I did, professionally I know that. yeah professionally he's a he you know he 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 gives everything he's got you know reliable and all that shit but to but i mean it's, it's funny when i work with him professionally you know we get along just great you know right. no problem but on a personal level we can't be in the same room very long. Now, um, do you know if he's on Twitter? Because Spark TV is on Twitter, and they're promoting his special. I don't know if you know about this, but GD has a, not a special, but uh, it's something on Spark TV. It's called Documenting My Funny. Well, it is a new special, I guess. It, it's streaming now on Spark TV. That's being promoted, and I've been sharing it around, but I don't see him necessarily on Twitter, so it's kind of confusing. Do you know if he is on Twitter? Uh, he is on Twitter, but the problem is, uh, Twitter isn't on Twitter anymore. <laughs> Tw- oh, yeah. Twitter is fucked up. Yes. And uh-huh. he's, he's, you know, he's getting annoyed with the, the hoops he's having to jump through to share his own material, you know, so... Yeah, I got to change this background pretty quick before Willie gets in here. Where's my threesome? All right, where I got, we got the threesome background. Where's... And now Willie's just, just turning around and around and around and around. I don't know. He's got some connectivity problems. Oh, there he is. Good, Good morning. morning. He, he, oh, wow. And he's not muted. How about that? Is that a first, ladies yeah. and gentlemen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry for my tardiness. Congratulations. Well, don't uh, do it again because you don't want to be retardiness. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say uh, happy and. Indigenous Peoples Day to uh, all my native friends out there. I forgot. I forgot. Thank you for uh, reminding me. It is uh, Indigenous Peoples Day, and I'll talk about that for a second, too. But it is also Christopher Colombo Day here in New York. Uh, One more day. Colombo. What? There is just one more thing. Just one more thing. You know what I was thinking? And it got me to, you know, yeah. Oh my God. I love Columbo. I, that's actually one show that my dad made us watch that I really got that and Beretta. I was really into Beretta. Uh, I think they were on like back to back on like WGN or something. No, no. They were on different networks. I have no idea. Maybe later on. Uh, uh, maybe so you watch that would be like um, what they, what they call it uh, syndication. Yeah. Repeats, you gotta whatever. you gotta remember that you know in between these shows, like we had to get dad a beer and stuff like that. And if you weren't oh, fast yeah. enough, you took a headshot. So there was a lot of confusion oh, during yeah, yeah, yeah. TV time. You know, yeah. Yeah. we were also the remote control, like because uh, I was born in the eighties before remotes were like really popular, and we were poor, so we didn't have a remote, and probably till like nineteen ninety five or something you know so before then he would just throw something at you to get your attention some right. some of those ashtrays are heavy you know especially the ones i made in class you know in art class well, those ashtrays they hurt anyway that explains um, it because colombo was really a 70s series it was part of the uh uh mystery uh 
um, special, the mystery special. Right. So I had to be watching the rerun syndications, right? Yeah, it was Columbo, yeah. Banachek, McMillan and wife. McMillan and wife, McLeod. And McLeod was part of that as well. Yes, yeah. Dennis Weaver. And Man, McLeod, I really put you guys down memory lane, didn't I? Jeez. And so. McLeod was based in Albuquerque. Oh, actually, Santa Fe. Uh, he was oh, pretty, nice. He was a cowboy, but that they brought him to New York City. He was a sheriff in Santa, Santa Fe or something and became a detective in New York City, a murder detective in New York City, but was still a very cowboy way. And if you probably uh, obviously aren't old enough to remember this, but in the 70s, New Mexico was still stuck in the 1870s in a, in a lot of ways. So it oh, was, was it? Up. Okay. Yeah, it was very cowboy. When I was there in the 70s. I mean, I can was- see that. I mean, this town is really very cowboy. I mean, you know, we were yeah. we were the groundskeepers at a rodeo ground. So, <laughs> yeah. So later on in the show, we have uh, singer-songwriter Edie Carey from Colorado. She's going to be here singing a song or two. She's going to be performing at Sticks and Stones next week on October 18th, and that's what we, she, uh, her appearance here this morning is all about. But cool. indig- indigenous peoples, let's go back to that for a second. Now, I don't want to get all involved in the bullshit that's going on in the Middle East, but it's a kind of ironic that we're it's indigenous peoples that, uh, day here and the big argument that's going on in the middle east is both sides claim that they have the right to that little piece of land that right the Gaza they, both, they both claim to have indigenous rights to it like they were the first people there and this is where our people come right. from so I'm, i mean in this country we have indigenous peoples right at least it's clear I mean, according, okay, so this is what I'm going to say about that real quick. I mean, not, but, but according to both of their belief systems, uh, they're right because they come, both of those nations uh, come from brothers. So, yeah, 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 both were there. So figure it out, folks. <laughs> well, here's my problem with the whole thing. That's I cover that in the news, by the way. There is a, a I did have one Israeli news story, but it's Uh-oh. not real. It's not real informative. It's just more my opinion. We're gonna scare people away. But uh, here's the thing: now, uh, <laughs> this whole idea of that being the Holy Land. Uh, there's so many. Like, was God? Did God not know Hawaii existed? <laughs> there's so many better places yeah, so Fiji I mean there are so many <laughs> more beautiful and, and exotic places it's not about land because if it were about land that place is as big as Connecticut there's plenty of people for those lands for the people of the land to go and here's the thing with America and I, I didn't want to get on this but there's plenty of room for all those Jews here we have we can give Montana. Montana's bigger than Israel. We can get. I mean, my, people in Montana are like no. The problem is no. We don't really want them here. We can be, you can say you're you're pro Jew, you're not anti Semite. But if I say bring them all here, whoa, wait a minute. Not, we don't stand with Israel that much. We don't stand with the Jews that much that we want them living next door to us. Let them keep them over there. We have enough in New York already, and New York and Miami already. We don't need any more. So that's all bullshit. It's not about the land. It's about this fucking idea that God is on our side. God won. God is on the yes. side last night. Right. Yeah. No. It, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was this week. It was this week. <laughs> right, right. 
So, uh, we know, cover that in the news as well. You know, we should just do the news real quick. We just <laughs> want to keep talking about what I got in it. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do the news. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, I don't, I'm not going to pull us out. We'll all do. We'll all stay on the screen and while Willie does the news, and and if we need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have something to say or whatever. Are we doing the thingy though? And now. All right. The Dolphins are back to their winning ways with a 31 to 16 win over. Oh, wait, wait. You, we just lost you. You just muted yourself. Somehow you got muted. I did look. not do that. Oh, something happened. You uh, did back. that. You're I back. didn't touch anything. I, my hands were on my dick. No, uh, <laughs> I, I would, no, you would see if I would mute stuff, my hands would be up here. All right. Well, once again, you hear we'll start that story from the top then. Right, my, we heard Miami <laughs> Dolphins. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, All right. The here. Dolphins are back to their winning ways with a 31 to 16 win over the New York Giants, breaking yet another NFL record in the process for total yards through five games. Passing 2,527 yards that the Rams set back in 2000. I will say, though, that like some of these NFL records are a little ridiculous. Like, so they broke the record for the most total yards through five games. Like, right. why is that actually a record? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I could see it being half the season or something like that. But like you, you gotta, you gotta have nothing better to do with your life than the. It feels like chess looking to me. Out and say, yeah, what? This got to be a record of some sort. Let's let's right. make one. Right. You're competing with baseball because baseball, true baseball fans have like a little book of every stat of everything in baseball, and, and right. football did not have that for those geeks. So they right. just started making up stats, and they were just like, so it's like you know, it's, it's like kids inventing games. You know, and they don't right. know how, to, and they don't know any better. So they got like sticks and stones, and they're making up games, and then they, they have to change the rules as they go along because somebody got poked an eye with the stick, and they go, "We can't play that game anymore." <laughs> go on. I'm sorry. My family yeah. kept playing that game. They didn't care. They just put a patch over it. You'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, the New York Jets flew into Mile High Stadium and came away with a 31 to 21 victory over the Broncos, in spite of not scoring five times in the red zone and only converting three of 12 third down conversions. Mr. Downer. So, uh, Mr. Downer. Yeah. We asked him, Buzzkill Willie. No, I'm just. Listen, no, 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 no. Honestly, kudos to them for finding a way to win despite those factors. Like, those are key factors in a game, and they still scored 31 points. Okay. From outside of the red zone, but all five times they were in the red zone, they did not score. That's definitely worth noting. And it's an NFL record. <laughs> it might be. I wonder. I wonder what the what the record is for most times in the red zone in one game without scoring. That would be. I bet you the red, uh, Jets hold that record somehow. I mean, it's. I mean, five's got to be pretty fucking close. No, the NFL I mean, holds the record for most made up records for any sport. Right. I mean, that's probably true as well. That's probably. <laughs> All, All right. right. If you're an NFL geek out there, start looking that up and get back to us about that record. Yeah. Send us an email. Yeah. <laughs> Mind Dog TV. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, comedian Corey Herrera will be celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day like he always does by inhabiting white people's homes until they force him to leave. <laughs> Shout out to Corey Herrera. I love you, buddy. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, <laughs> um, oh, the My God Has a Bigger Dick Than Your God War rages on in Israel. When is someone going to tell these fuckers that God is asexual so its dick size doesn't really matter? Wow, I didn't even know it was about dick size. I, I haven't well, seen that's that a, one new story. That's a, that's a throwback to George Carlin. Actually, I love it. He's got a great joke about that. My God has a bigger dick than your God. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how I missed that because I know most of Colin's material. I don't remember that one, but okay. Yeah. Um. So it was during the, it was during the same one where he did the, the bits of the prisons of balancing the budget during that same special um where on the album cover it's like a stick man farting. Um, but I don't remember the name of the album, but, um, he says that, uh, dude, I, I believe me, I can get it exact. Uh, it's, uh, do you believe in God? Yes. Good. Do you believe in my God? No. <laughs> Dead. My God has a bigger dick than your God, you know? And that's what the whole, you know. Yeah. Got it. Anyway. Well, but they got the same God. I mean, yes. Yeah, technically, the yes. They, they don't, like, they that's actually, what's stupid about yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah. They, they both claim Abraham as a patriarch. This whole war is the worst sibling rivalry I've ever fucking seen. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, not only that, but people people don't realize that Palestinians are not all Muslim too. There's lots of Christians there, right? So, so right. you got all three of the world's major religions all just like dicking it out for you know. Yeah, uh, it's just so stupid. And I, I, I don't want to outlaw religion. I, I mean, that would be, but you should be able to believe whatever you want. But you should be smart enough right. to know that you know, if a, if your your beliefs are incongruent like that, maybe you need to get a new belief. If your belief is that God created us all to kill each other while He sits back and takes sides, that that's a fucked up belief system. Maybe you ought to. Talk oh yeah, it's it's terrible. Them. But I mean. But look how murderous their God is. Like, read their books, bro. Yeah. <laughs> now, if I may just put in this just small, selfish, this small, selfish uh, contribution to this conversation. Those of you who believe that the end times are near and that you don't need your shit, donate your shit to G.D. Fenderson. He will yeah, take there it. you go. Okay, there you go. Just leave your stuff to G.D. Fenderson. He will take it. But true believers only, because he doesn't want you to try to get it back once right. he's got it, because he will sell he will sell the shit off. Don't don't no, do no. what I did with my television in prison. What? <laughs> so what when I, when I was in prison, um, uh, I was getting out in uh, the like in December of 2016 is when I was set to get out, and uh, you may remember that in the fall of 2016 is when the Cubs won the world series. And I've been a Cubs fan my whole life. And, uh, so I had given my television to the property department to, to put into the like loaner program because like my, my last 90 days getting out of prison, I wanted to like focus on reentry stuff and I didn't want to waste my time with television. 
but I didn't know that the fucking Cubs were going to get in the goddamn World Series. <laughs> and How could so, you? <laughs> so, so, yeah, right? So I fucking had to go back to the fucking property department and borrow. <laughs> like, I begged these motherfuckers to give me back my television so I could watch the Cubs play oh in the World God. Series. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, and then uh, we they were they would give us they would give us these little white hand towels, you know. And I had found a blue marker, and I fucking made a big ass blue W on this fucking white hand towel. And when they won that night, dude, I fucking ran up and down the fucking because uh, where I was uh, incarcerated at the time was the Mike Durfee State Prison, and that's an old college campus that they turned into a prison. And so uh, some of the housing is dormitories. So I'm literally running up and down the hallway of this dormitory. This is now like a you know a housing unit uh, with my fucking Cubs W flag. Uh, guards didn't even give a fuck because they were like, yeah, that's Conway. He'll fucking he'll calm down in a second. Like, <laughs> Wow, this is ridiculous, though. Wow, yeah. that but that's pretty cool. I didn't know. Uh, now, did they change? Did you change prisons? Did you go from like a, a regular prison to this college campus uh, prison? Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I first went in, so I got arrested March fifteenth of two thousand seven. I spent like you went, you uh, I spent until. Yeah, again, yes. Beware the eyes of Mars. <laughs> um, I spent until. Um, uh, October 30th, October 30th is when I got shipped to prison from County jail. Um, and then I spent a couple weeks in a and O, which is technically in the Jameson annex, which is their maximum security facility. Um, but, um, then I go, I went to the Hill, which is, um, I want to say a high, high medium facility. Um, and I was on the Hill for six and a half years. And then I got shipped to Springfield, which is a low medium uh, facility. Uh, and Springfield, the Mike Durfee State Prison in Springfield, South Dakota. And that's where I was released from. Wow. Do you ever get yeah. conjugal visits? Conjugal visits? No, uh, they do not have conjugal visits in South Dakota. If they had, I probably would have been married before I got out. Uh, but me and my second wife got married two months after I got out of prison. But she like did like eight years of my number with me, whether it was like through pen pal, when we started like dating and she started coming to see me and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, she was there for a significant part of my number. Wow. Now, if so. somebody goes to another cell and has sex, does that count as a conjugal visit? No, that's actually an L9 write-up. That's uh, sexual contact with another inmate. That'll get you thrown in the shoe. Uh, happens all the time, though. That's happens how they all got the time. there, though. They were in the shoe, weren't they? And no, <laughs> the shoe, the shoe I mean, is a special housing unit. It's like jail for prison. So yeah, if you get caught fucking, if you get caught fucking, you're going to the shoe. And I'll tell you this: if you get caught fucking someone that's not an inmate, like you get caught fucking a guard, you get caught fucking a volunteer or some shit like that, you're going to the shoe for ninety motherfucking days. They're gonna bury your ass in the shoe. That's that's and no pussy is worth ninety days in the hole. I'll tell you that. I guarantee you. Or asshole for that matter. <laughs> ninety days in any hole. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. No fucking thank you. Like, no. uh, with that, I, I've done a, I did a little bit of time in the shoe, but fucking, well, I was a shoe orderly for like three years. So, wow. um, 
So at least I knew how to make my time easier. You know? well, with that, let's make our sponsors proud, proud. <laughs> and and uh, remind our people how we pay the bills around here. Creative Live is a, a great way to uh, up your game and your creativity in a lot of different genres. They have over 2,000 courses online. Right now, they have 70% off exclusive offer for you people, you coffee with the dog people out there who miss Tommy Chong for the most part on Friday. and uh, They'll get it, though. They'll get it. Yeah, he'll get it. But anyway, so Creative Live, check it out. It's time to unleash your creative excellence. Dreams won't work if you don't. They never happen overnight, and they rarely follow a straight line. Excellence is a result of the hustle, consistently pushing to do better, and success looks different for everyone. CreativeLive.com charts paths and tailors content for students, but they also encourage independent thinking and exploration. Go outside of your comfort zone. Who knows? You might actually like it. Right now, you can get up to 70% off through this exclusive offer for Coffee with the Dog. CreativeLive.com has site-wide sale for Coffee with the Dog listeners. Save up to 70% off. Go to MindDogTV.com and click on the link on the homepage now. Long uh, fade-out ending, but good stuff. Uh, anyway, go to creativelive.com, sign up, and support the program. Uh, also, we can go. You can go to if you want to really support the program and support the these two guys. Uh, and you can go to mindogtv.com/church uh, if you are so uh, inclined and you need a Christian date. You can pick on uh, meet Christian singles on the banner that's on mindogtv.com/church. Or uh, to support Willie, you can go uh, to minddogtv.com slash uh, merch. I believe it's uh, right on the homepage. There's a, a, a link to the merch stuff. We can get a cool new shirt, that uh, uh, T-shirts, cups, aprons, you name it, stickers, all that kind of merch with Willie's mug on it wearing uh, horns that they finally admitted that wasn't a copyright violation on Friday afternoon. Jeez, so that yeah, was one good thing right? that came through on Friday <laughs> Anyway. So I think that's it for the plugs for now. We'll we'll probably come back to plugging some more stuff later. Uh, Yesterday, I got got fired. Oh, yeah, we got. Yeah, I heard uh, you saying that. Yeah, I got got fired from uh, Momentum Nursing Home for forgetting a gig. It's my fifth time this year, third time with them, and uh, two other times. I had just forgot gigs. It never happened in 45 years. And it's just because I'm overwhelmed trying to get this thing to where I want it. And right, I I, I feel like there's some definitely moving in the right direction. People are getting more involved team-wise and all that stuff. Uh, the audience is growing on the radio, not so much on the live streams. It's pretty much, you know, stagnated on the live streams in the morning chat room stuff. But it is what it is. Um, but I feel like we're making progress and growing in the right direction. But I'm now putting so much e- effort into that that I totally forgot I have gigs. And I looked at my calendar, and it was there in big, bold letters on Sunday afternoon. And for some reason, I didn't see it. All I saw was the schedule we have for this week. We've got some good comedians coming up this week. But It is a good week. Yeah. Uh, 
Are people off today? People off from work today? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a federal holiday. It's a federal holiday. Yeah, like I don't think m- most small businesses or corporations are even uh, nef- um, nef- no, nef- yeah, like like mo- yeah, some of your smaller places, of course, but like anything, you know, like a lot of corporate offices, any banks, anything like that, any government place is going to be shut. Courts aren't go- like courts aren't happening, right? What about federal reservations? Are they open today? <laughs> Puspatuck. Oh, over here we have the Puspatuck Reservation, which um, uh, it, they're not Indians, but they're black people who uh, probably found some kind of DNA linkage to say they were Indian. But they listen, they're, they're not indigenous people. I I know the difference between. A black guy I went to high school with who was always black until he grew up. And then he said, you know what? There's an opportunity to open a business on the reservation so I could sell cigarettes cheap and sell weed and, and beer and all that stuff cheaper than like almost at wholesale prices. Uh, yeah. Business stuff. So I'm just going to call. It's like, you know, there's a lot of uh, black casino owners who are basically claiming Native American. I know you are not a Native American. Maybe you got. As much as who was that fucking woman out in uh, the white woman who was? Uh, oh, yeah, I can't remember her name, but I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. The, uh, Warren, the, the not Senator, Warren. Yeah, yeah Warren, Warren, something Warren. Warren. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I can okay, I can understand in her defense. I can understand because she was just like in my family. We were told that we were like fifty percent Cherokee and twenty five percent Native. You know, we were like by the time we added all the parts, my family was one hundred twenty five percent Native American. Okay. <laughs> But that was all from lore. That was all from, you know, and I grew up thinking that I was part Native American. No, I really didn't believe it because right. whom am I going to call my parents liars? And I looked at my father. My father had this beautiful straight hair, you know, that came from right. somewhere. I didn't think it came from slavery. I didn't want to think it came from slavery. I wanted to think it came from Native Americans. But right. But then DNA comes along and shit, we're all liars. I mean, <laughs> turns out I'm not 125% Native American. I'm only 2% Native American. Like, right. you know, from the Skim tribe, 2%, you know, yeah. the Skim tribe, and they're known for their, like, milky white complexion. Is that yeah. enough to own a casino and say you're an Indian, though? 2%? <laughs> no, I think I think you got to be, like, 17% or something like that. Wow. I think it's... Yeah. Who came up with that number? I'm not sure, but for some reason, that number really does stick out to me. Um, And maybe that's for the tribal affiliation or something like that. In order to, like, join the tribe, you have to be, like, a certain percentage. I think the government went through and said, wait a minute, what's... What number can we use that's respectable, but not enough that would give them so much power and so much land? And it went through statistics. I mean, went, you know, 17 percent is a good number. This, I mean, there's probably some truth 18%, to that. percent, you know, we're going right. to have not enough and they're going to be complaining. But if we say 10 percent, we're giving half our shit away. So let's right. get, let's right. find a happy number in the middle. Now, on that subject or sort of related to that subject, uh, this morning uh, I read an article in front of me called uh, 27 people we thought we assumed to be white but aren't people who could pass for white but aren't necessarily white right and, and we thought we always thought that barack obama i think you guys probably thought this i know i thought this that barack obama was the first uh african-american president uh, even though he was half his mother was right. white uh right. it turns out alexander hamilton 
Alexander Hamilton had uh, a black uh, mother and a white father. His brother was black skinned and treated as a black man. He was really, white, yeah. I just found that out this morning. That's pretty astonishing to me. So he was the first half African American president. Alexander Wonder Hamilton. that's why Aaron Burr tried to shoot him. Yeah, yeah, that's probably why he was just trying to shoot the black half. Uh, yeah, Jack. Yeah, Jackie Kennedy Onassis was half black. <laughs> was that too fucked up? I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a racially charged yeah. fucking moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, all these people Jackie O. Black. Jackie O. Is part black. Part black. She's half half black. Uh, her father was extremely dark skinned He was called Black uh, Black Joe. Joe Bouvier. Really? Yeah. What? Black Jack. I'm sorry. Black Jack Bouvier. This is surprising. I know. Yeah, that, I, uh, yeah. Some of them you know wait about. Minute, that. I just, wait a minute. I just wanted to check because. I'm surprised that my people didn't know about this. Uh, right. Okay, because we usually we usually we know about this shit underground and we talk about it for years and years. Right. And, and you don't let us know. Crazy. This is hush hush stuff. Dude. We don't. Yeah. You don't be telling white people this shit. Like yeah, but, <laughs> this. this I, I'm reading this off the internet. The so onion. The all bullshit. Yeah. Is it the onion? Oh is yeah. It the onion. <laughs> yeah. But there are a few we knew about. Let's say like Derek Jeter, uh, Mariah Carey. Those people. right, yeah, uh, and they're saying they could pass for white. Um, Jennifer Beals, um, Clark Gable, now not black, but not white. He, uh, again, Native American, uh, but completely Native American. Clark Gable is supposedly like full blood, I don't know, whatever, according to this. I don't buy that at all. According to this, there was no secret in Hollywood that he was not a white guy, and he uh, uh, was really a, a civil rights uh, advocate. Even on the set of Gone with Gone with the Wind, he insisted that uh, black people didn't have to go, you know, use separate bathrooms and separate entrances and dine in separate rooms and all. Right. Well, that's good. I mean, and he insisted that anybody going blackface went natural. Yeah, I, I that that was yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. We just went to black. Uh, in honor of black <laughs> honor of... facts, we just we just went to black. All three of us at the same time. So that's that got to be something on Streamyards, then, right? Not on. I was I, um, for how long? I didn't see it. I didn't see it either, but then again, I didn't see the other shit coming. So, oh yeah, <laughs> now, Chloe Bennett, do you know her intimately? No, I've never. I don't. can't. I can't pull up her picture, damn it, because it's on a different computer. But she's apparently she's a she's an actress that we should know. She's from uh, uh, Quake and Marvel Agents of Shield. Uh, I don't know, but she's Chinese. You would never know it. I mean. There's nothing about this girl that looks Asian in any way. She just looks like an Anglo whitey. Um, an Anglo whitey. Fuck yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Did you see the fucking state shirt that I'm going to be getting? I fucking was so happy to fucking. See I found this shirt online. It's got a picture of George Jefferson, and it says "Shut up, honky." I can't wait to fucking wear that on stage, dude. 
Like, fucking, I want to wear that so fucking bad. And the best part is, like, oh, that's tax, that's tax deductible. That stays higher. That's going in the tax deductions. That's fucking, I'm so happy. <laughs> the original Betty Boop was a black woman. Yes. Uh, uh, I, was told. I mean, with that ass, yeah, duh. Yeah. I think <laughs> we all kind of knew. <laughs> the rest of these people aren't really big surprises. Again, like Der- Derek Jeter, Mariah Carey, uh, Who's this girl? Rosario so, Dawson. She looks like, yeah. Slash, you know. Slash definitely looks like he's got some. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He doesn't look white. He couldn't pass for white. Yeah, no. He, he, well, and he's specific Islander. He's like Samoan yeah. and shit. Yeah. Um, so you guys were talking about the reservation. My, my wife and I uh, went to uh, one of the reservations nearby yesterday to go get cigarettes. And uh, we also came across this candy here. Do you guys remember this? Yeah. Yeah. What is it called? Naco? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's like a necrophilia. Yeah. (laughs) This is a very old style candy. My wife, if she sees these, she has to have them. Like if I see these in the store and I don't grab them and she finds out, oh man, I'm getting it in the neck. The problem is the shape they are. They sometimes get um, mistaken for tampons, so you have to watch. They do look like that. That's it. it Definitely uh, has that appearance. Yeah, yeah, but they don't have. It doesn't have an easy applicator. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, an applicator (laughs) is just not easy. Yeah, ram it right up. Ram ram it right in there. Yeah, man. Chat room is quiet today. Yeah, because it's a holiday or something, and they, their internet took the day off. I was noticing that. I'm wondering. I'm wondering. I'm sorry I was late today. Have you guys ever had to, like, uh, wipe a turd for half an hour? I don't understand why that's ever a thing. I'm questioning my diet. Wow. Half an hour, no, after. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I'm just, like, wondering. Like, So you were, you were that late because you were wiping your ass all that time? Well, I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> I was say, just get some duct tape, put it over there, prevent the from getting to the drawers. No, no you know, it is why I started using, point. like, man wipes, though. Like the, the, the flushable wipes or whatever. But people don't understand. You can only you can only flush one of those per flush. Like if you you can't use two or three and then flush them all down, it'll clog oh, your yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And they can't and it once they get to the they once they get to the set the the sanit- sanitarium, is that what they call it, where they clean up the water? Sanitarium? Uh that, no sanit- sanitarium sanitarium where they center, put the maybe? crazy people. Okay, yeah, sanitarium is well, for the crazy people. I think it's well, like a sanitation you, you're center. You're cleaning up our water. You have to be a little crazy. So those. People, I mean, that's true. Yeah, the, that's they, true. They claim that those wipes like mess up their gears, their machinery, and so they're really. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Oh yeah, yeah. You like I said, I you have to spend that. more time at a sanitarium to, you know, you probably don't even talk to people who work at the sanitarium. That's what I'm just saying. So, I mean, yeah. usually I can't. When I'm at the sanitarium, usually I can't talk because they got me all hopped up on Thorazine and shit. But that's that's <laughs> like, which, which they cannot filter out of the water. That's what I'm talking about. So that's a yeah, no, but, that's also a problem. If you got extra Thorazine pills, don't just dump them down the drain and add them to the water supply. That's not good. Don't do that. That's right. Send them directly to Whiskey Dick Willie and. <laughs> At the below address. <laughs> Do not throw them out. Let him check the expiration date. You know, uh, 
Let me, before, because I'll just say this, Dave Landau has a bit on waking up in the nut house. Uh, and I, yeah. I, re- I relate to it very much because they I had a similar experience waking up in a nut house. Uh, I don't want to get into it today, but we will. I probably have shared that story before. Uh, and when Dave comes back, we'll talk talk to him about uh, that because I, my experience is almost dead on the same experience that he had with the you know. <laughs> um, on I, when, uh, Wednesday, the um, what you got something you got. Well, I was going to say, uh, the first time I went to the nut house, uh, I was a minor. And so I had to go to like school. Um, there was like, like a class session so that you had to go to. The first time you were in the nut house, you had two nuts. That's a- I did. I did have two nuts back then. That's right. Wow. I was dual testicle. That's right. Uh, so uh, during one of the things they wanted you to do during your class time is they wanted you to make a sign for your door. And you get, and this is the nineties. So all we had was clip art, but I went through all the clip art and I found one that was cool looking and it was a spaceship and they wanted on your door. They wanted to have your room number and they wanted to have your name. And then if you wanted to write like a little personal message, you could. And so this spaceship that I found had three beams of light and one beam of light. I put my, my room number and the other beam of light. I put my name. And then in the center beam, I put, they're coming to take me away. Ha 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 ha. And, um, I was, I was forced to take the sign down. They said, they were like, uh, there's people here with these kind of issues. And I was like, I'm trying to validate them. What is your problem? We talked about this in group. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great song. And, and the flip side of that song was the same song. They just started backwards. Doctor Demento. Yeah, they played it backwards. So once I was like, "Remember when you ran away and I got on my knees and begged you not to leave because I'd go berserk?" Well, and then on the back side, it's like, "Wow, yeah, that's pretty good." I, yeah, yeah so. you did that pretty, pretty uh, impressive. I have to say, backwards. Yeah. Yeah, I got got a three-legged cat fucking with me right now. Go away. (laughs) Um, You're just a pussy magnet over there, Matt. Yeah. Uh, Chris Kuhn, ever hear of him? Is that that black guy? I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. I know there's a comedian named Clint Black, and I think he was going to use Clint Kuhn, but he didn't want to get mixed up with Chris Kuhn. Chris Chris Kuhn is booked for a Wednesday morning at the 9.15 spot. I have his email address. I can't find There's a white, big, heavy set guy, white guy doing a set on YouTube that goes by that name. There's an actor in Hollywood uh, who sometimes does comedy who goes by that name. I have his email address. He's booked for Wednesday morning. I don't know how he got booked for Wednesday morning. Uh, but I did send him, and I said, "Please let me know something about you, because I can't. I'm. Not, I don't want to introduce the wrong guy. I, there's not really anything on the one that oh. I have. So I don't know who's going to be on this. Somebody named Chris Kuhn is a comedian. I'm guessing is a comedian is booked it for nine fifteen in the morning on Monday, on Wednesday, and I'm not sure who it is. I, I'm not. I didn't want to put a picture of him. I, like I don't know right. who the person is. Um, it's a conundrum. So, Joey Coon. I do know a comedian. I thought maybe he came Coon. from your recommendation. You know, your. I mean, that. I put a lot of stuff on just group chats, though. So, like, it might be. But what what I would say is that, um, 
like have you have you tried to like check the facebook pages and see if any yes. of those have of, of that email it, as the contact yes okay. the email doesn't come up with anything i searched on the web um yeah it, it's got you know don't i put in every effort i could i put in hours of effort trying to figure out who this guy was and i emailed him and said let let me know who the yeah hopefully he emails you back when did you email him saturday morning oh man he's I haven't heard back got from you back? Him. So I, hopefully, you know what? I'm hoping he doesn't show up. God, Jesus. Or that he writes you back. Maybe he'll email you this afternoon. It is Monday. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't do emails on the weekend. Some people actually well, shut off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you do that. But we. I know. Me either. My wife tries to tell me that all the time. Some people, you know, stop working from time to time. <laughs> like, We're quite, kind of overbooked. To this at this point you know there's no time to do like football there's no time to do any of the other things that we do even the news it's hard to squeeze it in with all these guests so i mean i don't want to i like having a full calendar of guests but i don't want it to yeah. be so so much that i'm thinking about adding another hour to the show because i can't accommodate all the fucking guests you know so if it's somebody right. i know nothing about and it's made no because generally when the form comes through it says tell me a little bit about yourself so i can do some research on you you didn't even write anything i don't know who this guy is he's gonna be on he's scheduled to be on the show and i know nothing about him like he's just somebody's gonna pop in there and say is somebody yeah, I, gotta Chris say, here? I got i gotta say it sounds like it could be an interesting intro anyway Right. <laughs> like i don't know who this guy is i don't know i don't, I don't know, know why the fuck he's here i don't, I don't know what know the fuck he wants to here. talk about i don't <laughs> like, know why he's here what he's doing here what what <laughs> hello chris Coon. what the fuck are you doing on my show? yeah what the fuck do you want <laughs> like just fucking yeah oh god it'd be fucking uh i'd die laughing i don't know about anybody else i would fucking lose my <laughs> shit i'd be rolling <laughs> i have had there was one time uh I was supposed to have this pastor on, and I forget his name now, but uh, he, for the uh, one o'clock show, this guy had booked a thing. He wanted to talk about uh, biblical revel re relevance in today's world, and you know, and so I had his name, and I knew he was a pastor, and I looked him up, and I just black guy, and I put him on the on the on the promo picture and all this stuff turns out there was a white reverend with the same name but the, the promo was for this black guy i'm expecting a you know, black guy in the and it, it's like is the whitest person i've ever seen and now i'm like well you're not him <laughs> but so people <laughs> I said, here's the, here's the guy i promoted i don't know <laughs> it, it, he's got your name but he's clearly not you <laughs> so that was a uh, an interesting one uh well you know was, was he upset or did he understand he didn't care he didn't care at all it right. didn't matter to him he just wanted to how godly of him yeah yeah no it turned out to be <laughs> a a pretty good conversation generally when i when i have uh people of the cloth on i get a little nervous that they're going to be judgmental of me I, I know this one is he's very judgmental. well that's why we love the rep because we know that there's no judgment there he's like planet fitness yeah judgment free zone do you, I did tell you guys that I tried the marijuana, right? Oh, Lord. <sighs> that, that is so disappointing. You're very, very judgmental, you know, but... Just, uh, it's not, just it's like not my dad, do as, I, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> right, right, yeah. 
I, right. I, I just thought that at your age you'd be doing the edibles by now. I just, you know, I, I'm sorry. I have edibles, but I, yeah, I've been laying off them, actually. Maybe I'll get back to them today. Maybe I'll get back to the edibles today. Um, but, yeah, so I, I tried it, and I liked it. So I'm going to keep trying it. Keep trying it. Now, are you it. a paper man, a bowl man, a full man, an apple man? You know, how do you – bong man? How do you <laughs> what is your medium of choice? Of choice, it would be paper. Now, um, recycled uh, or the I'm just, I'm just the small bamboos. Occasionally, I will do the big bamboos. Now, here's what happens. That's, that's a reference to Cheech and Chong, big right. bamboo. Right. Well, those that came with a real big bamboo. We uh, we used to use that paper that came in the album cover to roll like joints that were that big and that fat around, uh, but. At some point, my my supplier, my paper, my rolling paper supplier, only had the big bamboos, and I just thought I was getting really good weed. Turns out, because I was just rolling bigger joints, and I was like, really right, right. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is really this weed is much better. It wasn't Bro. the weed was much better. I was smoking like a, <laughs> an eighth of an ounce per joint. That's why, like, dude, I love smoking blunts, but like, I, dude, like, it's so dumb for me to roll a blunt and smoke it. My, I'm only gonna smoke maybe half of it and put it out. And, and even if I smoke half of it, I'm gonna be stupid because I smoke pretty good shit most of the time. So, well, like, you about the, the purple daddy, the uh, super purple puff daddy, no, super purple daddy, uh, auto flower. It's uh, supposed to be a world record. Now you talk about record books. Who keeps this shit? Uh, record amount of THC concentration, 52.5% THC. I want some. Yeah, where, what is it? Right where, where, where do we get it? Wow. It's Super Purple Daddy Autoflower. I'm going to tell you right now, the researchers have four brands that are higher in concentration. They're just not letting you know about it yet. They're keeping it to right, themselves. Right. They're like, they think this 52% shit is good. Wait till they find out what we got in our private stash. Now, How much yeah. is it? Because them, them moon rocks were expensive. I mean, they were good, but they were expensive. Yeah. Now, Zach, uh, what was Zach's last name? <laughs> Wiseman. Wiseman, I, yeah. I, I almost said Weinstein. Zach Wiseman, uh, when he was here, he was saying THC doesn't, isn't, the, THC, uh, isn't the determining factor. It's the number of terpenes. Yeah, it's the white count, really. Yeah. What, what's the white count? Uh, what you know what that means? I don't. Um, know it's it's like, it's a, it basically has to do with the crystallization, like what kind of crystallization it has. Well, how, this is the point. So, how do you know? Because if you go to these weed sites and this menu, and it just has the the fifty two percent or twenty eight percent or whatever the percentage of THC listed, how do you know you're getting the best weed? This is what it oh, usually it usually will have a white scale. Like if you click on it more. Um, it, it, there's usually like a more information or whatever, because usually most dispensaries are pretty good about having the white scale and all that stuff available as well. It was so much easier when I was a young man. Just it getting was, it from some dude and you didn't you know what go, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you want the high test or the regular? Give me the high so, test. <laughs> yeah, gold. no. Like um, Alcapoco gold. Uh, and I don't, that's all I... Uh, Afghanistan creeper. Oh my god, that was some of the best shit I've ever had in my life, bro. What is it called? Afghanistan creeper. This is some shit that my first wife had back in the two back in like 2000 
we got a hold of this Afghanistan creeper weed that like you'd smoke it up and you didn't feel nothing for a good solid 10, 15 minutes. And all of a sudden it just hit you like a ton of fucking bricks. That wow. is fucking beautiful. That's amazing. Now, uh, I never heard of that. Now, when we were, Rev and I are a bit older than you. Uh, when we were young people, they didn't have sativa, they didn't have indica, they didn't have kush. Right. right. I mean, it was, you had, basically you had Mexican, which was grunt wheat, dirt wheat. You had uh, Colombian, which was really good weed. And then they had Acapulco gold, Thai stick, Hawaiian. That was about it. You didn't have, right. uh, you didn't have like all these uh, Gorilla Glue, Purple Daddy, Super Purple Daddy, yeah. and all that crazy stuff. Uh, and so it made it complicated. It made it really complicated. I don't know how, I don't know uh, how kids deal with it, all that stuff. It like, is, but like, chemist. but. So I mean, you don't have to though, because you can still you can still go in there and you can just tell them the basic of what you want, and you don't have to get specific. But you, if you want to get specific, you can. You know, like if you want something that's going to give you a head high, that's you know, you know, you're euphoric but creative or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I'd like to know that my weed is going to affect me that way, especially if I plan on writing or whatever, you know, I know, you know, twist up a little bit of this and absolutely. You know, but I, I'll tell you, I think it's a lie because uh, for songwriting, I have uh, gotten sativa just for that, uh, for that purpose and nothing, you know, sometimes what they call sativa makes me want to go to sleep and indigo is supposed to make you want to go to sleep and that made me very creative so right. i just think it's all bullshit marketing man and so i don't trust any of it anyway my guest is here you guys right. want to you guys want to hang for the interview or you are uh you want to you want me to bounce you it's up to you uh i you can i mean you can let me go i don't have to hang out that's all right all right all right I just have, I have, I'm going to have a few questions. I listen to some of her music. Uh, this is Edie Carey, right? Yes. Yeah, I listened to some of her music while while I was, in, I was researching, so I'll have some questions for her, but right, only, after, cool. only after she plays. We'll see you tomorrow morning, Willie. Uh, All have, right. Have a good day. Have a good and one, go, guys. Go finish what you were doing that made you late. Because I feel like he probably didn't do a good enough job anyway. Don't you feel like that? Yeah, well, and I wanted to give him a prayer on the way out so he have safe travels, but... Uh, right. Right. I, I can I can uh, fax it to him later. I don't know Prayer why I just like had that. to put that eye in there. There was uh, okay. Now, Colorado-based singer-songwriter Edie Carey is known for her unmistakable soulful voice, her intelligent heart, and her heart-grabbing uh, songs. She'll be performing at Sticks and Stones on October 18th for one night only. She's here now, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome to Coffee with the Dog, Edie Carey. Hi. Oh, hi. Can How you are hear you? me? I'm fine. Yeah. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. Can you hear you okay? Strum the guitar so we know that that's sounding okay. It's making yeah. noise. No, that's right. good. 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 Uh, your 13th fret sounds a little off. Try the 13th <laughs> fret. The 13th Crap. fret. Yeah. Ugh, it's too late to fix it now. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we'll go. Through. We'll fix it live. Run it. We'll fix it live. So, we'll fix yeah. it live. Exactly. Good morning, you guys. Good morning. It feels now, very early here compared to you. I was going to say, you're in Colorado now. You're coming to, but you're not in New York yet. You're still in Colorado. Nope. Yeah, I'm still in Colorado, so I'm two hours behind you. But yeah, I'm flying to New York uh, okay. next Tuesday and prep for coming to Southampton. 
Is that now? Is this part of a greater tour, or are you just coming here for for just this show and then going back to Colorado? Um, I'm just I because I have two small kids. I tour once a month for about a week, so I'm coming out. I'll, I'm playing in Southampton, New York City, Cambridge, Mass, New Jersey. I have like five shows next week. So very cool. Yeah. Uh, now how small are the kids? Can't they just fit in a guitar case? Can't you? Bring I them mean, you? no. My ten year old is almost as freaking tall as I am. It's horrifying. I'm wow. not happy about it. So he's big. No, they're they're in fifth grade and second grade. Um, but you know, so three weeks a month, I'm home momming and writing songs while they're at school and prepping to go on tour. Usually once a month. So wow, uh, on that. Kids, are your kids uh, musically inclined yet? Are they uh, uh, trying to be like mom? <laughs> yeah, I don't think they want to be like me, but I they yeah, they're both musical. My son really is super musical he plays piano and kind of like he he does exactly what i did as a kid is like listen to the pop station and memorize the nuance of every vocal and can kind of mimic it it's really cool but he's wow. quite shy so i don't know he says the thought of singing in front of other humans is horrifying so i don't know that may change later though i was quite shy when i was little and then you could sing at barn for barn animals or petting zoos you could do petting zoos animals, there. you're yeah. right right they're very there, supportive yeah. you know <laughs> what yeah. I, I, I get your uh, perspective on this because singing in front of people can be terrifying. But yeah. uh, for me, that was the reason I couldn't sing. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was the tension, the nervousness yeah. will close your throat. So yeah. in order oh, yeah. to be a good singer, you have to be really comfortable with it. Yes. And it's kind of like a catch-22. It's like, how do you get comfortable uh, singing and get relaxed until you know you can do it and then you know. can't know you can do it until you get relaxed. <laughs> totally. You know, it's really funny because I studied abroad when I was in college, you know, when, you know, so many people pick a place to go learn another language. And I, because I had sung classically for so long, even though I was really bad at it, I sang a lot of Italian songs. So I was like, I'll go live in Italy and learn how to finally understand the words I've been singing all these years. At that point, I wasn't singing classically anymore, but I went and I lived in Bologna, kind of in the center of the north of Italy. And I had just started writing songs and I was like, this is friggin' perfect. I'm going to play these really terrible songs and no one will understand the words, but I'll get used to singing in front of people as they walk past, you know, in the main like plaza of the city. And I hated it and it gave me horrible stomach aches, but I would make myself do it because I was so like you described, like my throat would close. I get so nervous, especially singing my own songs. But somehow doing it in front of people who could only hear maybe the emotion in the words and not what I was saying was very helpful. And then by the time I came back, to, I went to a school in New York City. I went to Barnard. By the time I came back, I was like, OK, just comfortable enough that I felt like I could get through that nervousness and actually share the more personal stuff I was writing. Wow. So it was a good way to kind of shoehorn my way into doing it in front of other humans. Okay, and we're going to hear some music from you in in just a bit. Uh, but uh, I just want to talk a little bit about because when you're out like and you're going to do this week tour, are you going to be performing for people that know your music uh, well enough that so if you're performing this stuff, they know they know it and they're familiar with it, mm -hmm. or as it is like this weekend, I did a uh, corporate gig. And yeah. it was uh, playing all original music and nobody knew me. They didn't yeah. know my music. And yeah. 
the response was as cold as you can imagine <laughs> on a on a Saturday morning. First of all, they didn't oh, want to yeah. be there. It's a corporate gig. They're in there the for morning, too. And, and they're being forced to listen to a keynote speaker, yeah. then some entertainer they've never heard of doing yeah. comedy and music, and then another keynote, another speech after that. And they didn't want to be there. So, oh, but I'm I know trying those gigs. To, these, these are personal songs, even though I'm trying to, my purpose there is to kind of make it light and happy. But yeah. still, I'm doing personal songs, and I know they don't know them, and they're done, and not even not even this. They're just looking oh. at me like waiting for the next song. But uh, there's a difference between playing for people, uh, playing people that know your music yeah. and people who don't, and they're, it, it's the first time. St- uh, so on this tour that you're, do you, mm-hmm. are you expecting people who actually know your music and are there to hear yeah. your music it, every night of the tour will be different like i'm from boston originally so i playing a club in cambridge called club passing which is like a wonderful old folk venue where you know baez played and bob dylan that place is like a hometown gig so yes i'd say 85 percent of the people who come to that show come see me play there every year and they know my stuff but in southampton i've never played there before so i will ha- certainly have some fans who have seen me in New York and now live out on Long Island and are thrilled not to have to go into the city and will come see me play there. So that will be probably a lot of new people or people who randomly see that it's happening and they're like, hey, that's usually a comedy club, but they're having a folk singer. Maybe I'll go check it out. So that night will definitely be a lot of new people. And then I'm doing a private house concert in New Jersey with fans, longtime fans of mine. They'll be probably the only two people there who know my music and everybody else will be new. But I kind of like the mix when I play for people who already know me, I always have the worry of like, oh, I haven't written enough new songs since last time. And am I boring them? Which is sort of silly. People want to hear what they already know. Let's be real. But but I love the the challenge of playing to a room of all new people and knowing some people are not going to get what I do, but some people might really need to hear this song right now because they're heartbroken or they just lost their dad or they really need to laugh at some idiotic story that maybe I share that makes them feel less alone and so I like that it's different every night. I like that sometimes people will totally know my songs and sing along. And sometimes I'm breaking them in. And I'm going to make hoping. a, I'm going to make a prediction right now that the, yeah. two, pe- the two people that are hosting this house concert that you're doing yeah. uh, will have been completely and evangelical about your music to everybody <laughs> who's going to so. be there. And they will, everybody will have been listening to it for weeks at studying up. <laughs> yeah, so they all will know. That's my experience with doing. I love doing house concerts for Me that too. reason because yeah, uh, the people who hire you for it obviously love your music, and then they're going to be like uh, busy bees talking like, you up. You're yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. that you're right. I think that makes a huge difference. Like I often in a town like in South, Southampton. Yes, I'm 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 doing sticks and, t- and stones. But in generally, if I if I go to a new city, I tend to do house concerts. Because I'm like, if I play at a club, I have no idea if 15 people are going to come or 50. If you do a house concert, these people may not have any idea who you are, but they really like their friends, you know, John and Jane. And they listen to the like they take their opinion seriously. So they'll go because they want to hang out with their friends and then they happen to like you. They, They may be much less likely to randomly open the paper and be like, oh, that lady's playing. Let's go see her. And it's such a great way to make new fans. And then when you do play venues, then they'll come see you there. The intimacy of house concerts is awesome. I love that you love them, too. It's it's one of my favorite ways to play. Uh, Yeah. Intimate is I love it more 
than uh, playing for 100,000 people. And I have mm. played for, the most I ever played for was 120,000 people. Whoa, really? Brothers. Uh, yeah, many, many years ago. But That's that amazing. Felt, it just felt so weird and disconnected. I mean, there are people two miles back. I mean, how can they possibly relate to what I'm doing over here? I know. Uh, and when you, there's an exchange with your audience. When you see someone emotionally responding to something that you are singing it it feeds your emotion and there's this beautiful back and forth energy exchange that you don't get when you're playing like when i play a 2000 person festival i'm kind of focusing on the first two rows cuz i need that human interaction and yeah. it sounds like you feel the same way when you perform absolutely yeah i love that uh, I have a question for Edie about uh, yeah you, you've been performing since what 1999 yeah i mean a okay. little bit like as my job yeah since okay so mm -hmm. Of all your guitars, which one is your favorite, and how do the other guitars feel about that? <laughs> You're gonna laugh. I actually have had this same guitar, this little Martin Triple O Sixteen, since. Wow. I think I bought it in '97, right after I graduated from college, and it's just sort of shitty. Look at you can just see there's this crack. It's been like broken open by airlines, but it sounds better than ever. So I do. I did. Used to bring another one on tour, but I fly everywhere now. I used to drive everywhere, so I could bring a couple extra guitars, but I don't have more. Yeah. So that's your favorite. So how do the other guitars feel about that? Because and, <laughs> and I, I, I kicked him to the curb. <laughs> and now I used to, I, I used, I used to give my my daughter uh, cinnamon uh, yeah. guitar lessons, and yeah. she used to. I used to play videos of women who played guitar. And yeah. she used to get confused because she would see women with long nails and women with short nails. And they were all very good guitar players. Like, yeah. I, I used to love to show her Charo. Oh, God. Was, yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. and so, yeah. And so are you a nails or a sans nail musician? That is so interesting. I'm sans nails. Um, I, I feel like I should have nails. But look, at I just actually got my nails done this weekend for the first time since I got married 14 years ago. Because wow. you feel like your nails don't, they can't look nice because you have all your calluses on your left hand. Right. So you can't really press effectively down on the strings with long nails. So would it be weird to have the long and the, but I'm, yeah, I have friends who have like the acrylic situation so they can do finger picking more right. kind of with like a sharper sound. Paul Simon was talking about that last week yeah. on, was how it's staring about it. I could never, uh, I mean, use my fingernails as a pick. I know, uh, I and I do a lot either. of finger picking, but I do it with flesh, you know. Me <laughs> too. But it makes for like a darker, warmer sound, which right. I kind of like. Which is also yeah. why I like a Martin, which has like a darker sound than other right. guitars. So uh, yeah, I kind of wish I was coordinated enough to do that, but I've never tried it. Yeah, uh, just a little bit more before we we hear you your, your yeah. music. Um, Chris Christopherson used to say about uh, Ramblin' Jack Elliott, because Ra yeah. Ramblin', I don't know if you know Ramblin' Jack, but yeah. he's yeah. a guy who likes to talk about his songs at, yeah. before he plays them, and sometimes mm -hmm. he can go on really long, which is where he got the name Ramblin' yeah. Jack. Uh, <laughs> and Chris used to say, at some point, you got to put a gun to his head and say, just just play the freaking song right <laughs> i for for the types of audience and this is kind of a, a something i love if i know the artist today is jackson yeah. brown's uh 75th birthday and somebody mm. i love i love yeah, hearing him talk about the, what the song means to him where yeah. it came from and all that stuff but if i don't know the artist and they start doing that 
Mm-hmm. It feels like like with the Ramblin' Jack situation, just shut up and play. So right. it, it, do you change, do you do a lot of talking about where your songs came from and does that change depending on the audience, how much you will do that? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I tend to give some insight into the song, but I don't like when I see an artist and they tell you, it's like, it's like seeing a trailer of a movie and you're like, I basically don't need to see the movie. You just show right, me yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. And it can be the same thing for an intro. I do like to give a little bit of a, like a tiny insight. My songs tend to be sadder or more sort of wistful and melancholy, but I like to tell a lighter side of the story in between because then it, you you don't leave people feeling like, my Lord, like, can right. you give us some kind of levity here? So, right. but I like to give a little insight, but not hopefully not too much. But when okay. I'm with people that I know really well, yeah, I'm probably more chatty than I should be. Okay, now act like uh, I guess act like you know you're with people who you know really well, and uh, <laughs> give us some insight into what you're going to play for us. Now. Okay, um, I'm going to sing a song called "The Veil," which is the title track of my record that came out last year, and I wrote it in January. No, I, yeah, I wrote it in January of 2020. 10 days after my kids and I were in a rollover car accident. Somebody ran a red light and flipped our car upside down. I was with my seven-year-old and my three-year-old and we were hurt, but you know, not nearly as badly as as we could have been. But all I kept thinking in the days after the accident was like, I've been traveling around this country by myself alone in a car for at that point, 20 years. And I was like, how is this happening one mile from my house, like on the way to the YMCA to work out, you know, like the most kind of domestic, mundane, safe, protected kind of feeling morning. And then suddenly we were upside down and I was having to explain to my kids why something like that happened. Very cool. And I, so I just felt like we all have a veil of security that we think we have around us. And when it's pulled away, you want to put it back around you. And that's what I was thinking about when I wrote this. Very cool. So I'm going to sew you out and feel free to just uh, start whenever you can. Awesome. Thank you. We thought that we could catch the moon In the window of the way back Diamond stars on velvet blue In the window of the way back Daddy carried me to bed My arms heavy round his neck If I was not sleeping I'd pretend Oh the sweetness of your breath just like when you were a baby Full surrender on my chest I've been noticing lately Every day you need me less And I know that's for the best Yeah, I know that's for the best Yeah, we cannot go back No matter how we wish it we cannot go back now I've been traveling all this time Like I had a force field around me Then for a moment we were flying And the floor became a ceiling A storm of glass and crushing steel No, it did not seem real my hands still clinging to the wheel We cannot go back No matter 
finish it. We cannot go back now. We cannot go back. No matter how we wish it, we cannot go back now. In the window of the Wayback When I'm weaving through the crowd I wonder are they with me or against me But we won't say these words out loud We'll just scream it on the small screen. I've never seen such a great divide. So high and so wide. But it's been here all this time. And we cannot go back. Now the veil is lifted. We cannot go back now. I'm scared that we can't fix it. We cannot go back. We thought that we could catch the moon in the window of the way back. Very cool. Morning voice for you right there. I know. I know. Believe me, I know how... <laughs> I can't get my, and it's not like I've ever been uh, considered myself a singer. For I'm a songwriter for, for, uh, first and foremost, mm. but I can't get my voice going. Uh, it takes an hour of serious warm-up. And I know people who do any warm-up exercises at all uh, oh. and just can just sing. Just get out of I bed know. in the morning and sing. I am not that person. I'm not that. I have to do lots of warm ups. I just dropped my kids off at school and did a lot of vocal exercises on the way home. So cool. you mean like a sit out and shut up? I told you it before. <laughs> that was the first one. That was okay, a, like, yeah, for, my God, are you ready yet? We are leaving now. There was yeah. a lot of that this morning. Oh, yeah. Yes. What kind you of have a schedule to keep? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, I hate that because generally when I get to a gig, if somebody doesn't know me, yeah. And they see me coming in. The first question I was going to, what kind of music do you play? Yeah. And I hate having to put myself in any kind of genre because I play a lot of different kind of music. My influences yeah. are from everywhere. That's what you just played for me. I would probably consider it to be country more than folk. Oh, interesting. Um, what, I don't get uh, that a lot. I like that. That's good. When, when somebody would ask you what kind of music do you play, how would you answer that? I know I'm I'm with you. I sort of I sort of hate answering that, especially for people who don't who maybe don't know folk music at all. And their only idea of folk music is like 1960s, like, ah, you know, like very pristine, like Kingston Trio type folk. Um, I say usually folk singer songwriter is what right. I usually say. But I mean, what does that really mean? Every song really starts as like a, you know, a voice and an instrument and then it gets fleshed out. It's really how things are produced that end up kind of defining what the I style guess you're right, is, right about that. You know, 
my Let's, my fear yeah. with telling people the kind of music that I play is I'm just going to pick one of the many different styles that I I feel like I connect to. Yeah. And if that's not the one that if if if, if somebody doesn't like country and I say country, all of a sudden they're, right. they're going to be prejudiced against and not and have that in the back of their mind you know you're I, totally I like well exactly that's my feeling is like if they're like ew folk music i'm like no but if you like i mean taylor swift is a singer songwriter who has more pop production but right. and before it was very country production but right. if you put like ryan adams and taylor swift and i don't know um i'm trying to think like or ed sheeran they're all singer songwriters really and then you just I don't know, like I'm a Grammy voter and I'm listening, like it's Gra it's Grammy week, voting week this coming week. So I'm listening to a million different genres of music as I'm getting ready to vote. And I'm thinking like, if you strip these down to their basic bones, so right. much of this music really is the same. If you have pedal and lap steel on something, it sounds more like country, but even country is getting so pop. So what the heck does it even mean oh, anymore? You know, country is, 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 you know, for a while country was, 80s hair music with a southern twang in it now it's hip-hop with the southern twang in it it's you're 80s. absolutely right <laughs> yeah old town road is like all you need to know about that it's like yeah. such a mix of everything so yeah you're right and you know I'm, and so what do you normally say when people ask you i say well now i've learned to say why don't you listen to me and when you're done you can tell me what what you think of it that's <laughs> that's good that's a really or like what kind of music do you hate right it's not that <laughs> and then just say it's not that but yeah, you're right because I, I think everybody draws from it whatever they're going to any anyway you know did you have a comment ref oh, yeah I, had a, well, I want to pay her a compliment but first i want to i want to uh belong to the include myself in the other conversation uh, yeah that, so uh i had a friend of mine who was a musician and they asked him what kind of music did he play and he says i play both kinds country and western <laughs> Yeah, uh, but, but, it's very broad ranging. Yeah. Now, but I want to pay you a compliment because, first of all, in a, in an era in which so many people are using like auto tune for their vocals, mm, the sheer mm -hmm. fact that you're willing that you can very comfortably, I mm. shouldn't say comfortably, but very talentedly uh, mm. play your song so early in the morning. <laughs> Thank but you. Also, with a thirteenth fret that is clearly broken. That is and clearly completely. <laughs> And, and, and I'm telling you, I tricked people you. out there, I challenge you to play that song with a broken 13th fret and sound as good. You can't do it. You can't. Dude, see, thank you. I take that compliment to heart. <laughs> she didn't get anywhere near the 13th fret, which was, I was trying to see the court. Oh, I can't I, even know, count that high. Can't yeah, even count that high. And without the cutaway, who would ever play up there anyway? I, I mean, know. Yeah. I never. Yeah, that's I'm more a first position guitar player. Um yeah. Yeah, I do a lot of open tunings, and sometimes I play a little higher up there. But I tend to hang out right down here. It's a little more yeah. my jam. Yeah. Uh, now, writing process, and because mm. uh, we we talk about, you know, you just talked about how you break it down. Everybody, uh, it, all music is the same. It's the production that that really changes production mm -hmm. value. But mm -hmm. when writing. Mm -hmm. Do you start with a guitar? Do you start with the guitar in your hands? Does it start at, mm -hmm. like driving somewhere and you get an idea for a song? What is, where does it come from for you? Yeah, it's so different every time. I So if I'm writing stuff that I'm going to put on a record that I'm going to record, I'd say it usually starts with guitar, like getting a guitar sort of motif that I like. And then and that usually has a mood and a color. And then that lends itself to like leading to an idea that I want to sing about. But I also write a lot of commission songs for people like, you know, fans of mine who are having like a birthday or even, 
you know, it's usually happier. It's like romantic or anniversary or something. I'll write a song for them. They'll send me anywhere from three to a hundred pages about a person. And then I read through them and then I sit down with my guitar and, and write the song. So for commissions, I tend to start with the specific idea because there's words I know that I want to get in there to tell their story. So it kind of depends. And then sometimes I'm writing songs for sync for TV and film or commercials. Those tend to always start with words because I know there's specific ideas I have to convey for those right. things. So it's different every time. Um, so now for the veil, though. Yeah. Uh, and, and songs like that. Now, this was a, a, about an incident that changed your perspective on. Yeah. On did that I did. Did you say I want to write a song about that? Did yeah. You say, or was it? It was that because I was gonna the mm. follow the rest of that was gonna be. Mm-hmm. Or did you pick up the guitar, hear that melody, and say, "This mm. rem- this reminds me of that thought I had about the incident with the car rollover." And it's just, right. So that- normally, normally it would happen that way. I'd say, but I when I so we had the car accident at the end of December, and then I had months before booked a a women's singer like a women's songwriting retreat with a bunch of friends of mine down in Austin. And so I luckily had this place I could kind of go because I was trying to just hold it together for my kids. And I'd been hurt fairly badly. And I was emotionally just not in a great place. And I was like, everything's fine, guys, you know, just holding it together. And then I was like, okay, now I can go and be with my songwriter friends and, you know, ugly cry my way through a week with my friends and also have a place to kind of write and get the feelings out. So I very intentionally went there with the, you know, the feeling like I need to put this somewhere and it turned into that song that week. So that one, it was like a sense of real urgency. I did not have any melodic idea. I just sort of started kind of diving in and did like a big journal kind of free write and went back and kind of harvested the words I liked and then, and then found the the music that felt like this felt very like sort of haunting and wistful to me. I mean, it's so simple, you know, but, uh, and then I got that. I really loved that little. Was that just CD E minor you just played? Yeah, my, my pitch is. You're my, good. Your pitch is real good. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, yep, on capo four, and yeah. yeah, I mean it's so simple, but so often you know what you're singing has a mood in your mind, and then when you can find the chords that feel like they match that mood, it's like the best feeling. You know, it's the best feeling in the world when that feels, and when those things kind of come together in a beautiful kind of synergy. So that right. song fell out pretty quickly, just because I think I had so much emotion pent up, and I needed to put it. I needed to to put it somewhere i feel you now and i'm and i'm not going to keep you too much longer i appreciate you getting up early and oh i love it another 20 minutes uh, <laughs> he, i'm gonna keep you for another 20 minutes I don't I'm know what he's my well, kids are at school i'm free and easy right now uh, we have to say right. goodbye to governor's comedy club right now and we'll see mm-hmm. you tomorrow govs thanks for being here it, gotta get ready for a knock em dead comedy starring Woo-hoo. tony walker which comes up right now uh anyway uh, i am fascinated with songwriting process and I, I i know that the audience is like he's gonna go back to, he's gonna talk about paul mccartney again um mm. in the get back documentary that uh the uh, beatles put out last year yeah i still um, haven't seen it i'm embarrassed to say but I oh you got as a songwriter you got it i know the pro if you're interested in process mccartney has got it, he's a melody first guy and it can, it's very clear yeah. the song is the the film is about the Beatles, but all I took away from it was Paul McCartney's writing process because mm. he seems to be a receptor for something like a radio signal that is coming through him. <laughs> he gets the 
melody and he's just like saying ridiculous stupid words that right. don't make any sense but the, as he's doing it a word will come out and oh write that down that's that's good and so yeah. he's always melody first and it, as somebody who's really fascinated by process i yeah. love that because i i live for that moment where it feels like i didn't write the song yeah. i was just a radio for the song do you right. have those experiences yes occasionally there's certain songs that you're like what How are they your best songs show? Yeah, I think so. The <laughs> ones that are not overwrought and overthought. I mean, sometimes there's ones that I feel like I'll play them even for like I'll play them live for two or three years, but I know in the back of my mind, like, Ugh, yeah. if I could just shift this one thing, it will make it work. But it's humbling to have to do that because you're like, then you have to admit you were wrong in what you right. were singing before. Yeah, yeah. So I do have some that I feel really proud of where I kind of cracked the code I couldn't figure out. But I don't know if you feel the same way, but I often find the ones that feel like you're just sort of happened to be lucky enough to be standing in the right place that it happened to come into your body at that time that it's almost like it already exists in the universe and that show you were able to kind of be the conduit if That's only we could can it or figure out how you get into that state where that happens and that's what i've been searching pot. for for the last 65 years. pot <laughs> i know you were talking about weed when i showed up so i mean i think a lot of people yeah. feel like that is a way to access that more uh, easily now edie if you don't mind can I, may i call you uh, sister edie, edie? So, call okay, me yeah. oh please nobody sister ever edie. has i love it bring it uh, sister edie uh <laughs> as a me as an entertainer quite often we get paid compliments that uh, i mean some of them are like really over the top compliments that we know we don't deserve yeah, people go there for some reason. Yeah. What is the highest compliment that you didn't deserve that someone went there and said to you? <laughs> you know, that's... they're like, oh, my God, you're like Carly Simon had a baby with Joan Baez. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow. Oh, God. Yeah, that would be pretty good, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> I think um, the nicest compliment I ever got. Well, that you didn't deserve that. You didn't that deserve. I totally didn't. Oh, yeah. I've gotten a lot of those. Um. Well, I have I have a side player, John, who I've been playing with here. He plays piano with me. And he said he said something like the first night I heard he came to a house concert through a friend to see me play. And and then we ended up starting to play together. But he was like, I heard you. And it was like the same reaction I had to hearing Joni Mitchell play, in, you know, at Central Park in like 1978. And I was like, no fucking way. There's no way you <laughs> felt that way. And I still don't believe him. And we've been playing together for seven years. So, yeah, I feel like when people get Maybe me he had tequila both nights. <laughs> See, that could be true. Did. Maybe he had tequila both right. nights. How and he high the same were way. you? Yes. It was the 70s. Yeah. Well, that, was, that was probably the most undeserved one, but I love that he feels that way. Well, let me just say that we all uh, have a degree of imposter syndrome. And uh, I think if you're a true artist, compliments are always hard to accept or no matter what i mean yes. you, you, they're great to hear but they're hard to accept and hard to um incorporate into your soul and take them in as they yes. really meaningful because at the in the back of your mind there's always a voice saying you're not that good you not in the no back of my mind when i hear it i go like yeah. really you, yeah. that, you stop there what <laughs> the hell's know. wrong with you you're <laughs> Yeah, you unappreciative bastard. You get the hell out of my out of my church. You have no idea what you're listening to. Go down to the street to that little Baptist place. That's where you belong. Oh my God. God. I mean, we're joking, but it is true. Like what we all crave the the message that we're okay and that we're good at what we do or that we're just good, period, as human beings. But it is so hard to take it in. It's so funny, like that weird kind of 
paradox that we live with when it comes to praise. Yeah. So what if there's something connected to the creative process of the brain and a part of the brain that says I'm unworthy? If there's like no. a little, look like a little connection that you know, that doesn't. Yeah, it, that it's not working. Like there's somehow they can't, those two things can't speak to each other. But maybe that's good. Because yeah, if like you don't think you're that yeah. good, you keep working and getting better at what you're doing. Like a little toggle you know? switch. Creative, not yeah. worthy. Creative, not worthy. Yeah, oh my God. Right. Stop, yeah. stop it. I'm freaking brilliant. This is freaking brilliant. Yeah, I'm a piece of shit. It's yeah. like a, what they call a, a, trans, uh, a variable transistor that you can do both in degrees. But no, this is like on and off. Yeah, I know yeah. you're absolutely right. It tends to be very kind of like binary. Those feelings is crazy. All right, let's work at putting some fannies in the seat. Sticks and stones. Comedy club dot com is where you're going to go. The show is October 18th is a 630 show on a Wednesday night. Uh, yes. Six early. Yeah, it's I know. Early. Did you pick that time or did they pick that time? Abby, who runs the club, picked the time, I think, because it's a midweek show and we're like, you know, people can get home, shove a little dinner in their faces and then come over, you know, have a drink at the club and be home in their soft pants at a very reasonable hour. Like okay. the show will basically be over by like 815 or so. Okay. So, so is let, them, it just... let them wear their soft pants and then it can stay longer. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I probably uh, will be wearing my soft pants because I um, better. Is there somebody opening for you, or, is, or are you, are you nope. there just alone? Just it's just, just me. It's it's an evening with, and I won't be even. Oh, actually, I can't. Remember. I might be taking a break, but either way, the show will. You know, by every by the time everything's wrapped up, we'll be done by eight thirty at the latest. Hopefully, people will take a CD or a T shirt home with them, and then yeah. everybody we're done early, and everybody can have school and work the next day, and not. Do you do like a meet and greet following? People? Yeah, totally. I'll oh, be cool. out right afterwards, and I would. Yeah, I'd love to people meet people. And during the day, in the afternoon, I'm teaching two songwriting workshops. Oh, so I'm doing a kid. I'm doing an adult one during the day from twelve thirty to two, and then a kids one after school, or kids and teens between four and five. So if you have a burgeoning song, if you are a burgeoning songwriter listener, or your kid is, please send them over. It's really fun. I love. I would love about to come process. and audit that. If I, I don't, I. Think I would we, love it. We'd love to have you. I, I think we have some time that day. I have morning show that ends at around yeah. eleven, and then I have an evening show at eight. But in between, come hang I, out. I, could I would come. love it. Well, I'd love to meet you, and I'd love to talk about songwriting stuff. With yeah, you. I really love. Fun. You know, I love the songwriting process and every and learning from other people. And I'm sure, even though I've been writing songs for 45 years, mm -hmm. I can I will be able to learn something from you that day. I always feel like any uh, songwriter who who is uh, willing to talk about the mm. process and what it and how they go about writing songs has mm. something to teach us so oh I, well I, and i'm sure i'll learn from you as well and that's the coolest part about yeah. workshops as you uh, always do now the club Edie, itself I, 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 I'm, I'm gonna put this in real quick sister Edie, yeah. when, if you do meet him yeah do not rub his head because he'll charge you five dollars he does not mention that in the beginning and people so, try to rub his head for luck and then yes. he says that'll be five dollars <laughs> right so don't I'll just Venmo it. you. It's worth it. It's I'm gonna just slip you a five, do a quick rub, right, yeah. make yeah, a he wish. Does, does he talks to you and he tips his head in a little bit, just like while he's talking, just like that. He's did hinting. You, did he's you hinting. not see the uh, no abuse of the host uh, uh, on your contract? Did, did, did you see that? Oh, anyway. I no. thought they said a bus. I thought a bus. what's this got to do with transportation? Because oh. <laughs> the E is silent, so oh, okay. I didn't know. Oh yeah. my god, I love you guys. Are you, guys in, are you guys near each other? Are you in the same like? No, he, he's in, on the same coast. Yeah, we're, we're on the same coast. Same coast. Where are I'm you, a, Rev and I, Roll? 
Uh, Jelly I'm Roll. The, I'm right here in front of the painting. Can't you oh, see I, there? I see where, him. Where am I? Uh, no, I'm in, I'm, I'm in my, my uh, illustrious offices in Westminster, Maryland. Oh, in Maryland. Lovely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I am obviously in Long Island, towards, yeah. the, east, towards the east end, close enough to Southampton uh, and far enough awesome. from New York City, I guess. <laughs> the perfect um, spot. The perfect spot. Are you familiar? Have you seen the layout of the club and uh, Sticks and Stones? Because it's a comedy club, yeah. but actually it's better suited. Mm. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, <laughs> but it's better suited for a musical concert. It's it's mm. a gradient seating, like theater seating. Yeah, it's a yeah. perfect venue to appreciate uh, what you do, you know, mm. uh, acoustic music uh, and, and, and uh, music that, calls for some intimacy rather than yeah. just like dance music or whatever but totally. uh it's a great venue for that but have have you checked it out and did you did you look at the I layout haven't been, yes i've seen photos they sent me pics and i looked at the website yeah it looks wonderful it looks like a lot of the theaters that i play around the country and i, I abby who runs the club obviously is a huge uh proponent of comedy and i am a huge fan of comedy so this will be my first besides the bitter end which has had a lot of comedy i've played the bitter end many times and i'm playing right. there ne next week as well but i've never paid played specifically a comedy club but abby is a huge music fan and music supporter as well so i'm yeah. excited to be part of the you know testing out the space for this specific sound i think it's i'm really so cool. grateful for abby russell's presence in in of mm. uh, uh, this scene here because she is a big proponent of the arts and and bringing yeah. opportunities to people for uh for both for on the consumer side to actually enjoy the arts mm -hmm. and for artists to have a uh you know opportunities to play in a place that doesn't uh doesn't it doesn't diminish your because there are so many places that are just about uh the buck and all you know it's it's it, mm -hmm. it's all about show business rather than the arts and yes. and what she's doing is, is as much about the arts as it is business but i'm not an anti-business yeah. but uh yeah. do you have another but song you want to yeah. play for us today before yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, do I need to? Do we need to have any uh, information about it, or you just want to sell my head? I'm gonna just, um, yeah, I'm gonna do this one. I was, right. I was thinking about it. Um, uh, here's my little information. Uh, I am, I'm 49 years old, and I have little tiny children because it took me six years total of fertility treatments to have my kids. Um, I had a health crisis and they basically were like, you're never going to have kids. And I was like, Oh yes, I am. And I basically, I won an IVF cycle at a raffle, if you can believe it. Um, and that is how I had my son and uh, later went on to have my daughter. Wow. So I know it seems fake, but only in America. Um, anyway. So I wrote this song, uh, after my son was born because I never thought I'd be able to experience the joy and the hard parts of parenting. This is called These Things. The weight of you inside my arms Your heavy head across my your tiny fingers pointing at the stars I never thought I'd have these things That fuzzy spot in your silky hair When I rock you slowly in 
your faded chair I rarely ever sleep these days And I don't even Never thought I'd have these things. Your love affair. That ceiling fan When you ate that old Fistful of sand I was never patient But I think I finally am Never thought I'd have these things Your wide blue eyes Above your big boy coat your arms reaching out, mama, pick me up, this endless, weightless, easy love, I never thought I'd have these things, this endless, weightless, easy love. Can't believe I had these things. Wow, unbelievable, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you have to write a song like that for every kid that you have. <laughs> I know my daughter's like, um, where the hell is my song, mom? I haven't written her one yet. I mean, that, just generally I have, but not specifically inspired by her. Really moving and touching. And what uh struck me mm -hmm. is that. The subtlety in the guitar playing that complements the melody is mm. it's such that it's uncommon because a lot of people like to play every note, the same volume, mm. the same, same aggression or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there is a very subtle nuance way mm. where, where you're picking out some of those things where the the important notes are loud enough mm. and there are the supporting notes are in there. It's just beautiful. I mean, Thank that, you. that composition was really moving. And I think there's a lot to be learned from people who are doing acoustic music about the way you just approach the mm. delivery of that song. So thank you. Well, I, I do that. love, I love playing with dynamics because I think it really, it's sort of like reading text and what's italicized and what's underlined and what are you supposed to focus on? And I, it's so fun to play with those things with the guitar, you know? Yeah, very thank cool. Thank you for stuff. noticing that. That's really nice. No, I, it, uh, thank you for playing it because uh, it was kind of a you know emotional moment for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, thank to be honest, you. you didn't see me kind of getting a little um, uh, caught up Verklempt. in the moment. Verklempt. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah it. Thank you. Yes. So I appreciate thank it. You. I hope uh, hope the show is a great success. It's Wednesday, uh, October 18th, 6.30 p.m. Sticks and Stones. Yeah. The link to Sticks and Stones Comedy Club is in the description. We will put the link to your website so people can find out more about you. Thank you thank for getting you. up early and being part of the program. It's been My a, a pleasure. Delight. 
You uh, guys are so much fun. Let's do this again. Thank yeah, you please. so much for say, having please me. Come, please come back sometime. Where even if you're not pl- performing here, just to kind of uh, remind people of, uh, to to listen to you and check out your music. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Yeah, you. I had really so much fun. You really class up the joints. You're pretty freaking classy already. Thank you guys so much. Have it was wonderful day. hanging out with you. Take okay. care. Bye for now. Uh, Edie Carey, I caught her right, cut her off right in the middle of a bye. <laughs> I did that too much. Anyway, good stuff, right? I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah, I beautiful. Let me uh, ask. And you. with the broken thirteenth fret, I'm telling you, she's a fantastic. Oh, knock it off with that. <laughs> a- anyway, um, do you understand or, or understand? Are you um, aware of the the difference between country and folk and the uh, political? lines between country and folk traditionally political lines that are drawn between country and folk you get that i i am aware of it and annoyed by it (laughs) and also really hate the fact it's become like the theme for football (laughs) i can't stand that shit no well yeah because somebody online the other day somebody mentioned that somebody was talking about uh whatever our Oliver Andrews, is that his name? Oliver, the guy who did uh, Rich Man North of uh, Richmond. And they were talking about how music was always supposed to be about the voice of the people and all that kind of stuff. And somebody else was like really upset. How dare, I mean, what do you say, the voice of the people? It could be simple. People will get caught up in that. But it, it reminded me of the old battle between folk and country. And most, a lot of consumers don't even you know, people just love music and not are or not musicians. Don't even pay attention to that stuff. But there was 60s and 70s, 80s, all that kind of stuff. There was a definite line between folk people were on the left, country people were on the right, and, and yeah. that kind of thing. I think that's kind of worn away. People forgot about that. But in some cases, it's still true. And it, it's, it's, it's hard to re- reconcile. Music should just be enjoyed, and we shouldn't have to put like or or associate political bias with music and, and now, there, there was a uh, a movie uh, parodied folk music uh, something wind uh gosh uh oh yeah a mighty wind a mighty wind yes I, that was a good movie uh yeah uh that's what made me think of when you discussed that but it, the like i know as as a as a fan of music I have like my collection goes like from anywhere from Aaliyah to Warren Zevon with Johnny Cash and stuff like that. And so I'm eclectic as long as the music is good. Right. You know, a, a, a genre does not get a pass with me. You have right. to have, you know, I have to like it or enjoy it. I'm not even saying it has to be good. I'm just saying it has to move me. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. yeah. I've got some pretty, pretty crappy stuff in there, like Partridge Family. Traveling I, along is a song that was okay. I it just, I, I, I'm just reminded of when John uh, Denver had the song uh, "Country Roads Take Me Home." It won Best uh, Country Music Song of the Year, and Charlie Pride uh, was really ang- not Charlie Pride. Yeah, Charlie Pride uh, was re- angry about it, saying it wasn't a country song. It didn't belong in their uh, country music awards at the time. It was a, just a whole big thing, uh, but. People in America saw it as a country song, whether he was a folk artist or not. He, you know, yeah, fans well, of them. 
People lost their minds when Dolly Parton, well, not all people, but a lot of people got lost their minds when Dolly Parton got inducted into the Hall, Hall of Fame. She refused induction to the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm sorry? She refused induction into the oh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, she refused it? I thought she was yeah. inducted. No, she said, I'm not a rock and roll artist. She said, basically, that would be disrespectful. She was the one who, who said, she, uh, you know what? I appreciate the honor of being nominated, but I don't belong in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm not a rock and roll hall. And that, that's disrespectful to rock and roll artists. So it's good See, for her. I, I honestly thought that she got inducted because she said she wrote a rock and roll song so that she would feel like she belonged. No, no, she, didn't, she refused uh, induction. Yeah, good for her, whatever. But yeah. yeah, there was a big people were people who were, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is not about rock and roll. It, it, it's yeah, and uh, what's the guy? The, the guy with the walking on the ceiling song, Lionel Richie. Right. Same thing. It's not Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. Right. If it's going to be Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, be Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Don't be pressured into being so quote inclusive. If they right. want to be included, damn it, play rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what's his name? Hootie from the Blowfish. You know, he wants to be country. He just said, I'll do country. He didn't yep. sit there and go, like, please take my Hootie and the Blowfish songs and put them in the country hall of fame. No. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, this Sunday, wrapping things up here. And this Sunday, we want to get people tuning in. I know it's early in the morning, 9 a.m. on Sunday, but the Church of the Last Resort, you're going to be. Uh, honoring people's prayer requests, uh, taking confessionals and testimonials, and maybe offering some words and pearls uh, of uh, wisdom uh, about all things spiritual. Uh, and uh, uh, Let's just say, yes, yeah, spiritual, not religious, spiritual, yeah. Right. There's a big difference. I know. Because uh, yesterday I was going off on religion is the worst thing man ever invented, and then I'm promo promoting a Sunday morning church of the last resort, and people were saying I was being hypocritical. I said, no, this is no. not This is not that. This is not religion. This right. is, it's not religion. The, it's just the, because the guy's got a collar on doesn't mean. A collar that he went through a lot of trouble to fold and make this morning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get that straight. There, there, I'm going to tell you now. First of all, say, where, oh, where's, I had to, where's my private stash? Damn it. Oh, here it is. Private stash. Yeah, I have a stash. See, my collars come like this, you know. Index I order. Card. Yeah, I order my collars, and they come like this in boxes of 500, and I have to go through a lot of trouble to not just fold them, okay? Not just fold them, You okay? just ruined one for that's tomorrow. That's the right size, see? Because you're thinking, oh, this is you know, but you also have to bend them so that they don't, so they fit in your neck without digging into your skin. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a lot, of, it's a lot of work being uh, this spiritual. So people need to appreciate that and not just take you for granted. All that you go through to be here and um, be part of the program. And, yes. and And on Sunday especially. And we look forward to that. Uh, it will be on MindDog TV, but you'll have the links right here. I'll be uh, promoting it on all the social medias. You'll see where it is. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, YouTube. And we're going to be back on uh, Roku, which I'll be talking about later in the week. Roku is not going to be the live stream, though. We will be having a best of Mind Dog TV on a weekly basis. One show will be added to the Roku channel. And that should be up by midweek, and we'll talk about that. But in the meantime, plan on and tell your friends about Church of the Last Resort uh, with Dr. Reverend Jerry Rowe. Thanks for being here this morning. And, uh, yeah, and 
thanks for being part of the uh, conversation with Edie. That was good stuff. I appreciate it. So uh, she is a very talented young lady, uh, and you know, I I appreciate the opportunity to be there. I like you. I enjoy the creative process, although. Uh, being a man of the cloth as well, I'm also involved in the begatting of the creative process. So <laughs> I, I I do enjoy it, though. All right. Well, have a good day. Uh, thanks for being here. You going to be with us tomorrow, or are you, you... Uh, I I'm what's tomorrow? Tomorrow's I one of the, somebody will be here. You won't be alone, my brother. You will. Oh not no, be alone. I know. And Willie will be here. I'm not worried about being alone. I'm just saying, yeah. you know. Uh, oh well, with Willie's here, then uh, if Willie's here, I am always prepared. With 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 Wet Willie, I do have these splash guards that whenever Wet Willie's around, that I can, you know, these <laughs> just in case. That's a very cool look, I have to say. Yeah, well, just these are my backups. Uh, these these are my, but these are actually safety goggles. So <laughs> so if I come in full contact with Willie, I am protected. See. Yeah. I, I won't hear. do that with these. I hear that. Oh, that's a cool look too. That's a that's a more um uh I don't know, officially looking. You look more you look more I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Reverendy. Reverendy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Reverendy. Yeah, irreverent. Reverendy. You look more irreverent. Irreverent. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Anyway, thanks for being here. I'm gonna cut out and tell people to go turn on their radio. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye for now. Uh, Reverend Jelly Roll, thanks for being here, folks. That's the show for you. You were quiet today, completely quiet in the chat room. I'm wondering what's going on. I see uh, the numbers going up and down, and I know people have been there, but they didn't have a whole lot to say. Go to see Edie if you're on Long Island, uh, Southampton, October 18th, 6.30 p.m., uh, and uh, check us out tomorrow. We'll be here tomorrow, my guest, really quick. Uh, we have uh, Janet Fortune. Uh, and Ethan Friedman, two comedians on tomorrow. Hope you'll join me then. Till then, don't forget to turn on your radio. Bye for now.
me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.